This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. And we are back. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Matt Caraccio. And of course, on the horizon, you could see it in the distance, the draft. The draft is peaking over the horizon as we are all getting set and ready to kind of attack this upcoming draft with with much anticipation for for our own teams and for what we're looking out for and this and we're so excited here at the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast we have the opportunity to kind of reach out to those people in the business whose whose knowledge and background we respect tremendously this gives you the listeners an opportunity to hear people who who we really value their opinion and hopefully take some some interesting kind of pieces of information along for the ride with you as you go through this upcoming draft. And today I am beyond excited to welcome to the show um, somebody whose content has done nothing short of helped clarify and crystallize my own lens in many aspects of the game, specifically from that of the quarterback position. I'm talking about the creator of the QB school, former NFL QB, and also the creator of Many courses, such as the pass protection course, the beat all coverage course, and of course the RPO uh, course, diagramming a roadmap to your game. This is, of course, I'm talking about Mr. JT O'Sullivan is on the show. JT, welcome to the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. I'm excited, Matt. Thanks for the opportunity. Let's talk some ball, man. So JT, I mean, I just kind of wanted to get right into it. I mean, your content really here on the show, we really try to get really inside the huddle and really try to understand what's happening on the field and try to understand these players better from more of a scheme, trait and skill based or movement based analysis and your content on your uh, YouTube channel, as well as throughout all of your courses, really kind of gets into this. And we wanted to talk about these players from that perspective, the quarterbacks. And we wanted to start right up the top at Trevor Lawrence. And and what can you tell us about Trevor Lawrence in terms of his strengths, where he really succeeds, and what he can do, you know, potentially with this game as he progresses and develops? I mean, he's certainly an exciting prospect. I think he's been pegged as kind of the next can't miss prospects for shoot seems like years now. And it's fun to see him continue to evolve as far as the player that he appears to be, you know, certainly all, everything that we're doing is all kind of a incomplete analysis because we don't get a chance to sit down and visit with these players and really get to know them personally, but watching his film development, I think he's, you know, came on the national scene so young played at a really high level, set the bar high at one of the best programs in the country, and then has just been consistent. And you can see that there is still room for some growth as far as some consistency and maybe some big moments that he's had in college. But as far as what he brings to the table, he's a monster. He's 6'6". He's athletic. He can make every single throw. He's athletic enough to run the ball. I mean, they have designed run for him at Clemson. He'll be a threat in the red area. And he's just, you know, one of those, uh, you know, quote unquote, can't miss prospects. I'm not sure how true that really is, but he certainly has the perception of being that locked in number one. And, uh, you know, congratulations, you get to go to Jacksonville and try to try to save that franchise. Well, you know, what's interesting about what you said, uh, JT, was like this idea that you alluded to the evolution of kind of the position in terms of potentially maybe what 
um, characteristics, qualities, or traits might be more coveted as time has gone on and the game of football has, let's say, evolved or let's just say it's in its cyclic pattern of changes. Um, what about the position do you think has changed and maybe where um, a player like Trevor Lawrence might you know, might really fit today's game um, or, or, or are these all universal truths? Are we, are we, are we making a lot of nothing when we talk about the game changing? Um, do you mind taking us inside of that? Because that seems to be a discussion that seems to be surrounding a lot of these quarterbacks. Sure. So, uh, so I think that there are layers to that answer. So the game has changed in a number of different ways, but specifically for the quarterback position, it's a more friendly uh, offensive game. What I mean by that is players are protected. Quarterbacks are more protected than ever. The game has changed uh, schematically because RPOs have really uh, put uh, different layers of stress on a defense now that it didn't exist just a decade ago, half a decade ago in the NFL because of rules and the way that the game is played. In addition to that, uh, I think the game has gotten better at lower levels. So younger players are coming in with the ability to play quicker, not have to sit or be developed, or be a project. They're coming in pro-ready. And so it's those things combined, I think, that make Trevor Lawrence and this class of quarterbacks really uh, pretty exciting for all the all the quarterback fans out there, just and fans of football, because the position is so tethered to the product. And if you have a good quarterback play, you have a strong league. And it's, it's one of those things where I think as it, whether it evolves or cycles through, it's certainly an exciting time now to be a quarterback. Uh, the other thing I would say that I added that I didn't say there is better athletes are playing quarterback younger. So as if you're, you know, grew up maybe a decade ago, two decades ago, and you were the best athlete, you might not have played quarterback. You might have played tailback. You might have played middle linebacker. Where now, almost universally, if you're the best athlete, you're playing quarterback in youth football. And so it's impacted all the levels and trickled up as far as the production and performance at the higher levels of football. And I think to kind of extend on that, you talk about those qualities of athleticism. I mean, obviously, Trevor brings those, as you alluded to earlier and spoke about, um, in spades in terms of what he can do. But there's other players at this position, specifically in this class, that a lot of people are very excited about. Like, for example, take us to Justin Fields in terms of what he brings to the position and where he really succeeds at the position and maybe what he might do as he develops or where he needs to maybe develop a little bit more um, in terms of, you know, his schematic understanding or his ability to kind of, you know, work at the next level. Just take us a little inside Justin Fields like you did with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Justin Fields is another really exciting prospect. Uh, I probably should acknowledge my bias right out the gate. I'm a huge fan of both these guys. Uh, Justin Fields to me is well, that's a okay. Bit- I, I like them, too. I mean, so I mean, there we go. We got yeah. that going for us. Okay. Yeah, I mean, newsflash, newsflash. They're really good. The, uh, <laughs> Just, Justin Fields is probably a little bit faster uh, vertically. Not that Trevor is slow, but Justin Fields is just that dynamic and that explosive of an athlete. He's not quite as big as Trevor Lawrence. I think he gives away maybe two or three inches, but he is just as, ex- if not more, explosive as an athlete. I think Trevor Lawrence has probably been a little bit more consistent of a collegiate player. I think Justin Fields has had some, uh, maybe some inconsistencies that you wouldn't expect. Now you can go into a lot of different reasons and excuses about what that is. Uh, I probably don't have great answers. I can tell you on film, 
there are some mistakes that I, if I was interested in making that selection of him, that I would want him to explain to me exactly what he's doing, thinking, being asked to do. But as far as the tools, the talent, I think uh, they are both pretty similar as far as what they can do with their arms. You know, they can make every single throw. They both have what I would say are somewhat long releases, not not really like extraordinarily long where they drop the ball down low, but also not the not the quickest release that you've ever seen. And so, you know, there are so many similarities when it comes to them. They've been battling as kind of the one and two of this class for, you know, probably more than half a decade. If you go back and look at all like the stars and rivals and things like that, elite 11. And so they're very compare comparable as far as uh, the type of athlete, the type of prospect that they are. And really so much of this is going to come down to luck who ends up at the better franchise, who ends up staying healthy, those types of things, because I think any franchise would be really excited to have either of these guys. Well, and, and, you know, and I like that you brought up this kind of interplay that exists and you talk a lot about this, if you don't mind in, in some of the shows, when you're doing some episodes, you talk a lot about kind of, kind of the skill level of the player being as much about, you know, what the scheme offers the player or what the defense may offer the player, but also what the player themselves are capable of and how they may use those capabilities to to their advantage or at times to their detriment in cases where they may wait too long to throw the ball as opposed to getting it out on time. Um, just in terms of like how, you know, let's say, you know, we talk a lot about arm talent with these two particular prospects. What what is that what does that translate to from your understanding with your experience at the quarterback position, what does that mean to you when you're looking at that on film with these two players? And of the two, are they comparable in terms of that arm talent? Or do you think there is any differential between the two? Uh, uh, the first, well, I'll work backwards. I don't really think that there's that much differential. If anything, I would say, I think the numbers probably show that Fields is a slightly more accurate passer. And for me, you know, one of the things that I probably would want to dig more into if I was really the Jaguars is just Trevor Lawrence. When I watch Clemson anecdotally, I feel like they throw a lot of screens. Now I felt the same way about Justin Herbert. And, you know, he obviously had a pretty nice rookie year. And so those things don't necessarily project as a predictor how you'll play on Sundays, but it's just something to pay attention to is when you look at completion percentage and things like that. So I, I think both are outstanding arm talent. For me, what that means is, you have the ability to make any throw at any time. So from within the pocket, you can stretch the field vertically, uh, outside the numbers with anticipation uh, to drive the ball, to show some touch, to show some mid-trajectory type throws where you're throwing over somebody in a small window. And I think that they, they all do that. They, in addition, they get outside the pocket. They can be creative. Now, they're probably not as creative as a guy like Zach Wilson as far as farm slots meaning that he can kind of be creative on how he releases the ball around people, can change things in the screen game, the RPO game. But not in the, that, that's by no means a disqualifier. It's just an added layer that, that he has that really nobody else in the draft class has. And so I think of them as pretty similar, if not Justin Fields being a little bit, you know, numbers-wise, a little bit better of a downfield thrower. But at the end of the day, you know, you touched on it. So much of it is what are you being asked to do? How consistently are you being asked to do it? Now, both those guys are surrounded by talent at Clemson and Ohio State. And so similar to like Mac Jones at Alabama, you know, how you judge who they're surrounded with and what that looks like is, is a variable in the evaluation process. But for me, you know, everybody's going to be a little bit more open on Saturdays versus Sundays. And it's, hey, do they have the ball control 
to be able to consistently put it where they want to, when they want to. And if that looks like yes, and they can add some layers of anticipation, I think that's a great path and potential trajectory to be able to do that on Sundays. You know, and you, you ended with that discussion about anticipation and Zach Wilson was somebody that we just previously mentioned. And I was wondering, that seems to be something that's attributed to Zach Wilson's game um, rather consistently. Can you talk us a little bit about Zach Wilson and, and what he brings to the table as a prospect at the quarterback position? Yeah, another guy, a guy for me is a little bit different just because I'm not quite as familiar. I've certainly watched a number of games. But with Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, you know, I feel like I've seen years of evidence where Zach Wilson kind of burst on the scene this year on the national landscape. So don't really have the full catalog of kind of his evolution in college. From what I've heard and the little I've watched of his 2019 stuff is that he became a much better uh, decision maker with the ball, taking, taking what I would consider less chances, less kind of, you know, jump ball situations, being a little less uh, reckless with the ball. And that translated into, you know, helping him have such a magical year. BYU obviously was a very good football team. Uh, what they ask him to do, I think, gets a lot of people excited because it looks like Sunday football. What I mean by that is, you know, play action, some boots, some movements. He's be really creative off platform when things break down outside the pocket, the arm angles. He's another guy who has the arm talent to do anything on the field. You know, I'm, I'm I chuckle a little bit when you said that I would have any not know anything about that because I don't know anything about that. I was a guy who threw changeups, you know, all over the field, and all three of those guys have the ability to throw fastballs wherever they want, have touch all over the field, have different arm angles, those types of things, off platform throws, and so it, that really is special stuff that they've certainly worked on. But a lot of that is, uh, you know, talent that they're just born with. And so they have the ability to flourish that and take advantage of what that looks like to be able to make all those throws all the time. And what it does is it really stretches the field vertically and horizontally if you can do it outside the numbers. But for what I loved about Zach Wilson this year is just he made the most of his moments, similar to Mac Jones, to be honest with you, where, you know, he kind of burst on the national scene. He plays at a really high level. Now, does what BYU does offensively, does that help him? In my opinion, yes, absolutely. But, I mean, all these guys that we're going to talk about played on really good teams in really good programs, and all of them, what they do schematically, is going to help them. They're going to play to their strengths, right? That's the coach's job to put them in the situations that do that. And so I love watching Zach Wilson play. I'm very jealous of his arm angles. I'm jealous of the way he gets the ball outside the numbers. He's so smooth. His upper body mechanics, in my opinion, are the best in the draft. And what I mean by that is he's just – it's kind of like being a great shooter in basketball. Everything looks effortless. Everything is consistent. Everything is always feels like it's on balance and, and can, he can replicate it over and over and over and over. And that's the part that's just, uh, you know, fun to watch as someone who appreciates the position. Well, and you know, what's interesting about what you, you brought up and I, and I know you, and I know you chuckled. I, I would, I would contest that you don't need to chuckle because I honestly believe you know, I think that's that's what we talk about on this podcast so often is skill really being about the interrelationship between what somebody's capabilities and what they see in front of them and what they think they can take advantage of, you know, and it's those those qualities that you possess physically that really kind of lay out the different opportunities in front of you. So, you know, different players obviously have different, you know, capabilities or different qualities about them. But I think that 
you know, Zach Wilson, he has a long time before he gets to the level that you played at, you know, hopefully this upcoming year, we'll see. Um, And hopefully he'll take his game to the next level. But I do like that you talked about, you know, the ability, play speed, things of that nature. Mac Jones seems to be a player that they talk about play speed where the physical qualities are, are there, but play speed and the ability to throw accurately seem to be attributes of Mac Jones. What, what, what can you tell us about Mac Jones? I'm sorry, forgive me. What does play speed mean? Yeah, that's a great question. I think play speed is essentially where we talk about your, your ability to process what's going on on the field, right? During the play after the snap, that tends to be what I guess the definition is that seems to be circling around. So in terms of Mac Jones, in terms of what he's capable of doing on the feed field, reading the play, being able to take advantage of the opportunities available to him, that seems to be, you know, that football IQ seems to be a hallmark of what people talk about with Mac Jones. Yeah, do I don't think know. About I don't that? Yeah, I do have thoughts about that. I, I don't know. I would be fascinated to know where that originated. I I can tell you that for me, when I watch the film, I don't see any necessarily differentiators in quote-unquote play speed between these top-tier guys. I think that Mac Jones has been coached very well and has a really good understanding of what they're trying to do with a number of their plays. And he will, what I consider, like working through the reads quicker. And what, And sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's a bad thing. Because if you skip people that are open, you know, yeah, you might throw the check down for a completion, but there's also a shot down the field that maybe you played the play too quickly. Or, you know, if you, and that's where it's hard for me as, as someone watching it from the outside, I don't have the ability to get into the quarterback room and say, hey, uh, you know, Mac, what, what, what's the read on this play? Did you, did you, do you think this is available? Do you not? Why did you get off it so quickly? And so are there instances where on film it looks like he, is getting through things very quickly at like an NFL quarterback level and throwing checkdowns really quickly. Yes. But for me, my experience with that has been many guys pick that up when they're asked to do it and coach to do it and play at a high level, what I think Alabama does. And so, you know, uh, when I think of that, I don't necessarily think of that as something that can't be coached or further developed in these guys who will become, you know, full-time professionals here really quickly. And so, you know, I just the whole like processing uh, narrative that's come up and Mac Jones being able to be like the separator from that. When I turn on the film, if I would never have heard that from any other source, I would not think that. I would think he does a nice job of throwing checkdowns. You know, so does every NFL backup in the history of the NFL. And so it's just a, you know, it, it's one of those things that for me, it maybe gets a little bit overplayed. Now, the thing I love about Mac Jones is he made the most of his opportunity. He got a chance to play one year. At, a, at the best college football program, and he made the most of it. That offense was fun to watch with him playing quarterback. He lost some guys that were very good players. Now they filled with they filled in with other good players, but that offense didn't miss a beat when they didn't have their best guys out there. Mac Jones played at a really high level. I love what they do play action wise. I love how they throw the ball down the field. Lots of stuff to really like, but the the processing thing for me is a uh, is not that big of a separator. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. I, I really appreciate that take because it's, you know, with all these quarterbacks, you know, it seems like, you know, they're so razor thin kind of, you know, differentiation between them all. So it's interesting to hear you unpack that for us. What about what about Trey Lance? 
Trey Lance, it seems like a, a unique style of player given his background, where he came from, didn't really play much this year at all. Um, played, you know, nothing really. Um, what about Trey Lance and, and some of your exposures on him? Yeah. And again, another one, you know, it's easy to talk about all these guys that are like first round talent. The, uh, they're all, Trey Lance is a, he's a fascinating prospect on a maybe different level than some of these other guys. Not that he doesn't potentially even have a higher ceiling than all of them, but his story is unique. You know, I love the program that he's at North Dakota state. The Bison are like uh, my favorite FCS program. They're just play football the right way. He played there very young. He is young. I think across the board in this draft class, you obviously touched on the fact that he really didn't play much this year, if at all with that little showcase game that they did there. And so, just the development for where he is, especially to an outsider, outsiders like us, you know, we don't get a chance to sit down with him. We don't get a chance to see the growth that he's made as a young guy going from playing when he did in 2019 to now. And so I think when you turn on that film, there is some Sunday talent that jumps off the screen, athletic, can run, can move, can create, but he can also make every throw from the pocket. He's got a cannon. He showed anticipation as a young player. All those things combined uh, are really exciting to see where he ends up, the system he ends up in, the growth that he's already made. You know, again, again, I, I always feel a little, uh, you know, irresponsible to project what I think, you know, the kid, the player looked like in 2019 when it's 2021. You know, there's that's a significant amount of time for someone to get significantly better. I would imagine that he has. I know who, you know, people that he's working with and you can see across different platforms the type of work that he's putting in so i think he's another guy who's you know because of the covid situation and you didn't get a chance to see him play and he also plays in an fcs program and everybody you know i think most people tether carson went to that program and so whatever's going on with him right now you know another one of those instances where you got to be able to have the capacity to uh, analyze the prospect, not the organ, not the institution or the organization. And so, if you do all those things, I think he is a very exciting top ten prospect to play the position for a long time at a high level. Well, I mean, I I'm, can't believe. I mean, I, I completely agree, and it was great to hear you unpack Trey Lance. And to be very honest with you, I mean, we don't want to be you know silly with your time. We are very appreciative of the time that you're offering. Just as we kind of begin to wind down, I was wondering. Out of the other quarterbacks that you've watched, do you think there are there other quarterbacks in this class that you've had the opportunity to to kind of view on film that you're like, you know, there's potential there to be an NFL starter? Are there any others that that you might be a fan of where you see that development curve could trend in such a direction? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, who the hell am I to tell these guys that they can't be NFL starters? I think the guy that jumps out the most from once you get past that group and even – I might even insert this guy a little bit into that group is Kellen Mond. I think Kellen Mond has a, has a, uh, put a great body, not a great, a very good body of work together at the collegiate level. I think I love his trajectory of improvement. I think he got better the more that he played. Uh, I think he played at a very good program that, you know, is going to have him pro ready. Now there are certainly things that I don't love about his game and mostly it comes down to just his, what I would consider, for lack of a better word, like the stiffness of his mechanics. I think that that is something that can be, if you're willing to put the work in, can be fixed pretty quickly. As far as just being a little bit smoother, that will lead to a little bit more comfort in the accuracy, the consistency, those types of things that maybe uh, don't show up when you look at the numbers. You know, I see floating around the Internet as far as some accuracy issues down the field. But I love his athleticism. 
I love everything he brings to the position. Again, it's almost one of those things where, yeah, you would love to be drafted, you know, number one or top three or top 10. But if you're taken a little later in the first round, you almost kind of luck into a better organization, a better someone who's a little closer to winning that really impacts your ability to potentially flourish earlier. And so all those things kind of come into play for me. I'm a big fan of Kellen Mond, but there are other guys, depending on the situation, I think of like Kyle Trask, Davis Mills, guys that potentially could end up being great pros, depending on what organization and what the situation looks like that they walk into. Well, and and I love that you keep talking about the organization and the ecosystem, so to speak, that they go into. I mean, there's so many circumstances that enter that or exchange there. There's not just, you know, whether you're good or not, right? It's it's in a bigger picture idea. So, I mean, I, that is just a really big point for for us here as well. We we don't know until we know, so to speak, where where these players end up. And I want to know JT as as we kind of like I said begin to wind down, take talk to us about the QB school because I mean, to say at the very least that, you know, I'm a fan of that is is an understatement. I've been gobbling up the content there from the RPO framework of roadmap to success, how to beat every coverage, as well as the master pass protection, the QB lens. I have, I have all those courses and I absolutely love them. And I feel like if I want to improve my understanding of the game and evaluation of quarterbacks, I feel like the work that you're doing at the QB school is absolutely tremendous for, for any listeners that may not know what I'm talking about. Maybe they're under a rock. I'm not sure. Can you talk to us a little bit about the QB school, what you guys have there and where you're going maybe down the road? Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate the support, Matt. I really do. Uh, it's, it's a layered thing for me. I started it just cause I was interested in kind of potentially getting back into football in some capacity. So I just wanted to see if I, I had taken a few years to go back to school and finish school and had some time on my hands. And so uh, I realized, you know, just kind of trying to look across the landscape of what was available for old football players like me. It was, I started to notice that I was getting a lot of my content at YouTube. Uh, so just got a chance to kind of create from there. I've really fallen in love with the process of it. Uh, the channel is a lot of fun. I enjoy the inner, the kind of engagement and spreading the word and just trying to elevate you know, the position a little bit as far as the understanding and stuff that's available. I think for a long time, people thought that, you know, there was some like secret sauce to the position or that, you know, quote unquote gurus had all this information that people weren't sharing and just wanted to basically create what I wish existed when I was kind of searching for every morsel of information on football. And then from there, it's really evolved into uh, the Patreon community, which does all that on kind of like steroids to another level, like in depth. And then the courses that you mentioned are really what I think is the, the best content. And what I mean by that is if you're interested in elevating your game, your understanding, I take basically things that I'm curious about and things that we do at the high school level. And I did at the, at the league level and just try to make it as digestible and entertaining and kind of educational. It really blends my two favorite words, worlds of education and football and goes in depth on a topic. And I, and I really try to just provide it the same way that I think it would be provided if you were at a, you know, an NFL team meeting room, it's really the same process you would go through. And it's just about understanding it, pulling things apart, explaining it in a way that makes sense to fans, coaches, aspiring players, and it's a lot of fun for me when it resonates because those courses take significantly more time, but they're much more 
rewarding for me because you can really see the impact of those things across the board. And it's fun when people who have enrolled in the courses come back to me and tell me how they how it's interacted and changed either how they watch the game, how they play the game, how they coach the game, and trying to make any sort of impact on that scale in the sport that has given me so much. It really has. It was a trampoline in my life on a number of different levels. And now just trying to give back a little morsel of what that impact was to the kind of wider football society. I'm having a great time doing it. Yeah. I mean, I would echo everything that you just said. And I would say that what I really appreciate about your content in particular is you really dive into the why you really go deep into the why and you always break it down into very general, fundamental, easy to understand and succinct language. And you do it in a way that I think that I can see clearly the educational background coming through in the way that it's presented and the way that it's organized. And as somebody who really has dedicated their life to learning, you know, as I have in my own career and then also trying to improve my understanding of, you know, human movement, things of that nature, you know, I can really sit here and say, if you haven't had the opportunity to check out any of the three courses from how to beat every coverage to the RPO framework, a roadmap to success, or even master pass protection, a QB lens, they are outstanding. And there is hours of content when you really sit down and digest it, as you suggest very often um, in each interaction, really digest it. It begins to resonate, I think, like you said, at a level that takes your understanding to a, just a different peak. So, JT, where can we find you, obviously? Where can we find you and this content if we really want to dig in deep again? Yeah, the the kind of hub is uh, the channel on YouTube, the QB School. But then I'm really all over the place. Uh, usually pretty easy to interact with on Twitter, although I never remember what my Twitter handle is for that thing. And then uh, the Patreon. And then if you're interested in the courses, uh, I usually link them in the description to every video, but they're over on the Teachable. They're through the Teachable platform. So Teachable, the quarterback school is the easiest way to find them. Again, I cannot say enough great things about them. They are well worth the time and the investment. Um, I, I'm, I started with the, you know, the, the pass protection course. And uh, I actually asked you, JT, I mean, if somebody is interested in dipping their toe in the water, would that be a great course to start with? That's a good question. Uh, I, I think, honestly, it, it would it would really depend on where your interest is. It, for me, that that's the way that I approach it. When I, I appreciate you saying that you unpack the why part of it because, you know, for a long time I was fascinated with RPOs and just wanted to. We run a lot of RPOs at our high school that I coach at, and so it was fun to take the deepest dive I could possibly take on that. And the course one, you know, I, I think is more of a kind of, uh, I don't know what the, like, a big textbook, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to handle and it's a lot of content. The past pro course for me was really the one that resonated the most with my playing days because when I had that understanding of pass protection, I felt like I really became a pro's pro. I wasn't just back there playing. I could really manipulate and protect myself and take my game to the next level. And so that, and then I have a free quick game course if you're not quite ready to make the investment that's available to that, that kind of gives you a taste of what those courses are like just at a, a more, more succinct level. Well, I just keep stacking them up. I, I hope I hope I have a couple of years to digest all this because, I mean, I just I had so much to go through. But he is JT O'Sullivan. He is the coach, the coordinator, the man at the QB School. You can find everything, as he said, at the QB School. That's at 
the T-H-E-W underscore QB underscore school. And you can find all of his content as well as all the courses that we've talked about. JT, thank you so much for being a guest on the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. My pleasure. I appreciate the support. Anytime. Come back. So for myself, for Paul, for our sound and tech engineer, David Nakano, we want to thank you all for spending this time with us. And please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.